Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss current events in the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We can't discuss all of the headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. For those of you who have been with us this entire time, you've probably noticed different words, and this is what we are calling the three-year glow-up. Can you believe we're hitting a three-year mark, Kareen? It's amazing. <laughs> and we were both just talking about it, how like we don't get tired of it. A lot of people thought, like, oh, with the pandemic winding down, are you going to stop doing the podcast? Uh, no. And I get flustered if I have too many appointments in a day. So I try not to make any other appointments on recording day because I don't want to feel flustered because this is something that I love to do. And I talk to Teresa more regularly than almost anyone else in my whole life. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't talk to anybody else once a week unless they live in this house. (laughs) Yeah. And I am so grateful for the years that we spent on this and now we can say years because we have been working on this and as long as there's news like we're gonna be here so news and giggles that's uh, that's our jam (laughs) well before we jump into our discussion this week we want to give a shout out to our podcast network trav market media head on over to travmarketmedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your business so This topic of the first article that we're talking about is um, one of the main headlines that we're seeing all Mm -hmm. across the board. And this isn't the number one headline for me. The number one headline for me is how Taylor Swift is coming to Tampa and she's going to be here for three nights sold out. Like I cannot escape Taylor (laughs) Swift. They've renamed Hillsboro to Swiftsboro. All the oh. radio stations have renamed themselves. So that is the number one headline. The number two headline is what we're going to talk about in this next article. From Travel Age West, how travel advisors can get ahead using artificial intelligence. And I know a lot of people, you know, on one hand might get nervous about AI because we're afraid that it's going to take over our role as an advisor and a lot of people, and I've seen on TikTok too, some people are saying, here's how I use chat GPT to put together a two week itinerary in Italy. But this article provides a different perspective and how we can utilize AI as a tool yep. to make our lives easier and to focus on things that are more efficient, I think is the right word. Like we can use our brain power for things that require our brains. Yeah. Mark Mackie is quoted in this as saying the toothpaste is out of the tube. And that is perfect. Cause I was going to say the cat's out of the bag. Like it's here, it's not going anywhere. So you can either get on board and figure out how to leverage it in your favor, or you can get crushed by it. Just like when the internet came out, people could start booking travel on their own. This I don't care what you do with AI, it's never going to replace the service that we provide. So you have to figure out a way to just use it in your favor, save yourself time, save yourself energy so you can provide a better service for your clients, right? Yes. And on one hand, though, there will come a time, I think, if we can program AI to be exactly like us. And there have been more than one occasion where I'm like, I wish I could just clone myself so I can get more done. 
So just mm-hmm. imagine, you know, someone is chatting to ch- chatting to robot me. It's so well done. And I am on vacation. Anyway, <laughs> this article says, imagine automating the parts of your job that you dread and finally having free time to generate leads, network with shore operators and hoteliers, revamp your marketing plan and spruce up your social channels. What if you could scale your business without having to hire more personnel? Remarkably, that day is finally here. And that's what makes it so exciting for me because I know a lot of my tasks, I know that I personally do not have to do them. And Mm -hmm. my assistant can only do so much, but I know what tasks that will be more beneficial for me. And that's creating and maintaining connections and relationships. And that's something that AI cannot do. Exactly. According to Encyclopedia Britannica, AI is, quote, the ability of a computer or computer-controlled robot to complete tasks typically associated with humans. For years, AI has been a part of our everyday lives. It's been in the background, you know, all the algorithms, analyzing. You talk about something, the next thing you know, there's an ad for it on your phone. It operates Teslas, vacuums. Um, But generative AI takes it a step further, using prompts to scan existing content and produce something completely new, such as audio, imagery, and text. I got to say, no more can you look at a photo in the media and just believe that it's true. Like, AI can put people's images. It looks so realistic. So, you know, if you see something scandalous or something that validates whatever you believe, whatever it is, like you have to question where the photo came from now. There's no way to tell Mm -hmm. mostly um, whether it's a legit photo or not. So we're all going to have to definitely use a little more critical thinking to to wade through A lot more critical thinking. It's like innocent until proven guilty. When I see photos, I'm like, it's fake until someone can show me that it's real. Yeah. That kind of thing. Because there's so much out there where it, it's so well done. You, you can't just take a first glance and just automatically assume that everything you're seeing is real. Nope. It says here that in November of 2022, generative AI made a huge leap that the average person didn't see coming with the release of OpenAI's chat GPT and apps such as Lenza by Prisma Labs. It suddenly seemed like everyone was using these new tools in some fashion whether to avoid writing a tedious proposal or wow their Instagram followers of flattering AI-generated fan art. The biggest holdup right now is the time it's taking humans to understand what is possible, mm-hmm. said Christian Watts, founder and CEO of Magpie Travel, which recently launched a content generation tool for the tours and activities industry. Uh, Christian says, in my space, the biggest immediate changes will be in the content teams as they work out how they can produce 10 20 or 50 times more content with the same people. Yeah. I th- you could probably have to take a university, you know, four year university course to learn how to maximize the prompts for something like chat D- GPT plus so far. I, I might not be correct on this, but as far as I know, none of the chat AIs can access the current internet like chat gpt only has information up to 2021 so we can't go to chat gpt right now and ask what's the best restaurant in rome because it's going to mm-hmm. give us what it was in 2021 and it could have changed you always have to double check fact check and make sure but mm-hmm. it sure does give you a head start yeah and i 
you know, obviously I talk about TikTok a lot because that's where a, I, I spend a lot of my time, just FYI. Yes. Um, but on, there are accounts that teach you how to use the best prompts to generate the best results. Because right now with ChatGPT and similar generative AI, what you get out is what you put in. So yeah. if you put in a really general, you know, a prompt that doesn't really get to specifics, you're not going to get a great outcome. And so I'm watching these TikToks and I'm just like, I need to spend, I need to just clear my schedule for a week yeah. and then just really sit down and learn this because there is going to be a learning curve similar to, I think, social media marketing when it first came out, similar to a lot of new te technologies that just get released. There's going to be a learning curve, but once you know how to work with it, you can really use it as an amazing tool for your business. Yeah, I'm a little annoyed that a lot of the the how-to videos that I see will be like, write, write a song. For, I'm like, no, no, that's not useful to anybody. <laughs> I want to see... <laughs> how to actually use it in a business to get to shortcut things, to help with business mm -hmm. tasks. You can ask it to write email. You could ask it to write you an email to a client that you need to let go gently and give it all the detail that you can. And in fact, you can start out, you get a response and then you think, oh, I wish it would have covered this one point. And you could say, okay, now rewrite it, but make mm -hmm. sure you mention that and it will keep doing it for you. It really helps at the end of the day, you still have to edit it. You still have to put your own voice on it, but it can help mm -hmm. you with the head start instead of just looking at a blank page. Ooh, so remember back a couple of, well, it's a couple of years ago, 2021 or 2022. I think it was 21, but I had mentioned, I wish I could have a separate email address with like a man's name at uh -huh. Get Out Custom Travels, you know, so like Dave at Get Out Custom Travels or Mike at Get Out Custom Travels to deal with problem clients that yeah. will not respect me because of, I don't know, either they have a power complex, whatever it is. But imagine being able to use generative AI mm -hmm. to write an email in the voice of a dude of... I don't know, Michael Scott from the office. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like put it together. Yes. And then send that out. I mean, so many possibilities, so many ways to be creative. Of course, I am half joking with that, but. Because you absolutely can. You can have like a lot of aliases yeah. in your Google workspace. Exactly. Dating counting needs you to pay up. So, um, <laughs> so many different things we can do with this. Um, but going back to the article, it says that Microsoft-backed ChatGPT is perhaps the most recognizable generative AI tool on the market. It has made remar remarkable strides in achieving language understanding, and the innovations continue with OpenAI's latest incarnation, ChatGPT4. Did we just skip ChatGPT2 and 3 and just go straight to 4? No, I've been on ChatGPT for a little while and like the 3.2s and the 3.8s. Oh, then I am yeah. super behind because it's like they skip different numbers and I'm like, we're on four already? By the time I get into it, it's going to be on like 11. Yeah. So uh, launched on March 14th, it offers improved functionality that the company is calling more creative, reliable, and capable of handling nuanced instructions. And on the same day, Google announced new AI-powered features coming to the Google Workspace suite of products. New features can take notes, 
and create action steps during Google Meet video calls. Yeah. Catch you up on a lengthy Gmail conversation or draft personalized thank you notes to your entire client list in Sheets. That's another thing you could do. You can copy and paste a whole email or an article and be like, summarize this for me in three sentences. And it'll do it. The TLDR mode. Yep. Yep. <laughs> The, the important thing is that generative AI is just another tool. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, think of generative AI as simply a tool to supercharge your travel business. Use it to give older content on your website a refresh, effortlessly add detailed descriptions to your itineraries, knock out a month's worth of, worth of social media captions in an afternoon, or craft empathetic emails to clients when things don't go as planned. When you have generative AI working for you, there's finally time to look at the big picture, reassess your goals, and adapt your business model to the changing landscape. Yes. I think that's what I'm most excited about is to have free space in my brain because mm -hmm. time has been freed up. And of course, it's going to be a time investment to learn it in the beginning. Like You're going to need to take that time. It's not going to be intuitive for a lot of us. But once you get it down, I, and I'm speaking from someone who does not have it down. So I will go on this journey and then I'll tell you about it. Well, as you know, this is really in my wheelhouse. I'm totally geeking out. I have been for a while and I'm obviously trying to think about a way that I can help other travel advisors learn how to use it and how to be more productive and efficient in their businesses. So stay tuned. <laughs> Um, in the article, Norm Rose, president of Travel Tech Consulting and senior analyst at Focusrite, which is a sister company of Travel Age West, Norm is quoted as saying, if you talk to any Travel Age West reader and ask them how they survived in the age of the internet, they'll tell you that they use the internet as a tool just like their customers do. Traditional travel counselors have survived and prospered by learning the balance between what a client does on their own and what the advisor can provide as added value. The balance is changing with generative AI, but customers still need the travel agent's expertise to help sift through all the information to make sure they are making the right choices. Yep. So it says everyone has to start somewhere. So think about your typical workflow and make a list of what only you can do and what you could conceivably automate. That's something I tell people all the time. Just make a list of every single step in your business and identify the stuff that only you can do and then what could conceivably be outsourced and you can start with a thing here, a thing there, see what AI can do for you. Then maybe you need some human help, whatever it is. It's a quote, say you've got a bid for a couple who wants to visit five different European countries in a two week period. Ask, GP, or ask chat GPT or an equivalent to create an itinerary, see what it does and understand what its strengths are and where it's weak. So this person entered the, or the author entered Rose's prompts into ChatGPT. The results, while generic, were a decent starting point for brainstorming. They have the clients flying into Amsterdam to experience its canals, museums, and nightlife, then taking a train to Berlin, Prague, and Vienna for two nights each. Before heading home, the clients would fly to Barcelona to spend three days soaking up the sun, sights, and cuisine of this lively coastal city, including the Gothic Quarter, Park Well, and La Sagrada Familia. Using the same prompts, Microsoft Bing suggested they check out two related travel blogs while also suggesting three different itineraries, none of which included five countries. However, it took some of the guesswork out of the exercise by serving up a pre-written response such as, 
I'm interested in the French Riviera Monaco Milan itinerary. You click the prompt and Bing fetches more specifics on which museums to visit in Nice, France, and where to catch the sunset in Florence, Italy. I think I mentioned on another another time we were talking about this, I used it to say, give me a three-day itinerary in Paris for someone who doesn't like museums. And it, I, what I could have done is keep taking that, give it more prompts. They love nature, they whatever it is. Could I just, like, did it create an actual itinerary for, for me? No, but it gave me lots of good ideas. Good blog content, good social media. Actually, I do, I'm using it. I don't think it's been published yet, but I'm using that exact topic for a, a social media carousel. So it does give you a good jumping off point. It says here that advisors should have as much familiarity with these tools as they can, whether they're launched by OTAs or by search engines, they're going to be all over the place. So, you know, main point here is get on the horse, get on the (laughs) horse. The horse is here. They're not going back. This is, this is where things are headed. Yep. All right. Our next article is from travel pulse. It is called discover La Paz, Mexico. And I will be flying to La Paz on Friday and discovering it for myself. I've seen a lot of YouTube videos about La Paz. It looks like Balandra Beach looks like the most dazzling beach. I cannot wait to see it in person. I guess I need to get on planning that. But um, it says La Paz, Mexico is popular with travelers and often used as a jumping off place for adventures on both land and in the Sea of Cortez. So when I think of La Paz, because there is an airport there, to me, this is a place where if somebody wanted not your usual place, because Cabo is quite far away from this, um, but if they wanted something different, they could do La Paz, Loreto is a few hours away, which is actually what I'm doing is going to catch the scenic eclipse in Loreto. This is going to be for a client who wants something a little off the beaten path, a little more authentic, but it's has many beaches and is absolutely gorgeous. It says the charming seaside city founded in the 16th century has a lot to offer visitors who can choose from charming hotels, a wide variety of delicious eateries and ready themselves for a host of activities located within minutes to a couple of hours drive from the city. I'm looking at the photos in this article of La Paz because honestly, aside from seeing that itinerary that you'll be traveling on. I don't think I've ever thought about the Baja Peninsula of Mexico. I mean, you hear about it from time to time, but it's never been a place that I'm really looking into. And this article has a bunch of different things that you could offer to your clients or check out for yourself. Aside from beaches, there are a ton of museums. There's the Regional History and Anthropology Museum, the Gray Whale Community Museum, the Art Center, the City Theater, and Casa del Arteza. So there's, whether you like culture or adventure, it seems like the pause is kind of perfect. Yep. And then for nature, they have sea kayaking in the Sea of Cortez. You can go to see the whales who migrate to the area yearly. And that whale watching season is from January through April. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we catch the end. You can also swim with whale sharks there. They visit each year from the beginning of October through April. And 
I don't think it says it in this article, but I have seen that you can take a boat out and go swimming with sea lions from La Paz, hmm. which seems thrilling and terrifying all at once. Um, <laughs> I think anything ocean related is terrifying, yeah. but also yeah. incredible. I mean, in my head, I would love to be able to snorkel with whale sharks and things like that. But you put me in open water and I dip my head underneath. I panic yeah. immediately, immediately. Yeah. And then there's also a two and a half mile Malacón, which has seafood restaurants, parks, white sand beaches, and also a variety of art installations from both international and Mexican artists. So that is an especially beautiful and vibrant spot in the city for amazing sunset views. I'll be checking that out. <laughs> I can't wait to see your photos. It's going yeah. to be super, super beautiful. And another thing for folks who don't want to do any ocean related things, there's a photo here of someone sandboarding. And so there are also a lot mm -hmm. of adventure land related activities that people can do if they're not. I think there's some pretty good dunes in the area too, for people who want to do like mm -hmm. dune buggies and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you should know that the weather in La Paz is inviting year round in the summer months, May through October. It's very warm. Milder temperatures prevail in the late fall through early spring when it's warm during the day and cool in the evenings. And La Paz's proximity to the desert means nights are chillier. My fave. Well, I guess adding it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> Last on our list is an article from afar, and it talks about what really happens if you don't switch your phone to airplane mode in flight. And when I saw this article, immediately I kind of laughed to myself because the past few trips that I've taken, the past few international flights, um, they have either been super early in the morning or I've been really jet lagged where I get on the plane, I put my phone in that front pocket mm -hmm. and I fall asleep immediately. And I do not put it on airplane mode. And one time I remember I woke up after a few hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, my phone's not on airplane mode. And I checked my phone and it was like a, a couple of texts had come in. And you know how when you go to a new country, your phone will get a text that's like, welcome to Germany or welcome yeah. to whatever place. It's like, welcome to the friendly skies. Your phone plan does not include data up in the air. I don't know the wording. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, <laughs> have I been roaming this whole time? Um, but it's happened a few times. So I was just thinking to myself, I need to know what really happens if I don't switch it to airplane mode. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about it. So what airplane does is it disables all wireless and cellular signals coming from the phone. Once the phone is in airplane mode, also called flight mode on some devices, users can manually toggle select signals back on, such as Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Whether you should is another story. So why are passengers asked to put their phones in airplane mode? Per the FAA's website, the FCC and FAA ban cell phones for airborne use because its signals could interfere with critical aircraft instruments. Oops. Uh, devices must be used <laughs> yeah. in airplane mode or with the cellular connection disabled. You may use the Wi-Fi connection on your device if the plane has an installed Wi-Fi system and the airline allows its use. So what happens if you don't switch to airplane mode in flight? The concern is that a phone's radio transmissions could get in the way of the systems that the plane uses during the flight, Teresa. 
According to the FAA website, there are reports of suspected interference to communication and navigation systems in both the NASA Aviation Safety Reporting System and the FAA Service Difficulty Reporting System. What's more, if the captain deems it necessary for safety, such as in a reduced visibility landing, they have the prerogative to tell passengers to switch off their phones completely to make absolutely sure they don't interfere with onboard communications and navigation equipment. So can you make calls from 36,000 feet? Technically, yes. As explained by Sven Bielen, a professor of engineering design, electrical engineering, and just basically he's an engineer uh, at Penn State University. If the plane is low enough, generally below 10,000 feet, cellular calls might be able to connect. Though they'd be pinging off uh, different cell towers as the plane moved, so the connection probably wouldn't be great and could interfere with ground networks. Above that altitude, it's unlikely you'd be able to make a cellular call unless the plane was outfitted with its own mobile service like Virgin Atlantic planes had back in the 2010s. Um, but none of that means cell phone calls are allowed. In the U.S., the Code of Federal Regulations states that the FCC prohibits use of cell phones when the plane is airborne. It says cellular telephones installed in or carried aboard airplanes, balloons, or any other type of aircraft must not be operated while such aircraft are airborne, not touching the ground. When any aircraft leaves the ground, all cellular telephones on board that aircraft must be turned off. And are the rules different in the U.S. than in other countries? Yes, and that's due to the communications technology used in other countries, as well as how their airline safety is mandated. For example, at the end of 2022, the European Commission ruled that airlines can use 5G during flight and that EU member states must make 5G technology available for planes by June 30th, 2023. This isn't necessarily a harbinger of things to come in the United States, though. Boeing, Airbus America, and the Trade Association for Airlines for America have argued that 5G could impede safety by interfering with a plane's radio alt altimeter, the tool that measures how far a plane is above the ground, which is especially critical during bad weather. But the 5G in the United Kingdom and EU is different. There is much less prospect of interference. They have a different set of frequencies for 5G, and there are lower power settings than those that have been allowed in the U.S., Interesting. I know when I was traveling in Europe years ago and taking those budget flights like Ryanair and EasyJet, they were allowing cell phone use on the plane, like regular cell phone use. So I thought that was really interesting. I didn't know the mechanism of how everything worked, but hearing this and reading this, it makes much more sense now that the technologies are different. Yeah. And let's see what happens if you don't comply. <laughs> as travelers have no a lot doubt of videos heard, lately okay <laughs> as travelers have no doubt heard on their flights faa regulations mandate that passengers follow all flight safety regulations including those dealing with electronic devices and while it's hard for flight attendants to notice whether you've toggled your phone to airplane mode do you really want to be that passenger? I, I really don't. I'm a rule follower. So all of the time okay. that I'm not on airplane mode, it has been unintentional. Yes. Uh, it says, what's next? Are you going to take your shoes off and go barefoot? Oh, I've seen it. 
<laughs> Besides, one of the best reasons to turn off your phone is that it's important to pay attention to the pre-flight safety announcements, even if you've heard them a hundred times. And for now, at least your cell signal is not going to work during the flight. So leaving your phone on full cell mode is just going to eat up your battery. And maybe interfere with the plane landing. So don't do it. <laughs> just don't and do not. <laughs> All right. We ready for some excess baggage? Oh, yeah. It's time for excess baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory. So you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, Princess Cruises is rolling out a new signature seafood restaurant, The Catch by Rudy, to four cruise ships. Debuting on board the Enchanted Princess on April 15th, the eatery by Carnival Corp-affiliated chef and princess head of culinary arts, Rudy Sodamine. The Catch by Rudy is the line's first restaurant primarily devoted to seafood. They also report that the Great Atlantic Sargassum Belt, a giant 5,000-mile-long mass of sargassum seaweed, which Travel Market Report first reported on last month, is starting to make landfall in Florida, the Caribbean, and parts of Mexico. Oh, goody. Travel Age West reports that Beaches Resorts has expanded its extensive autism program with the release of all new sensory guides. Carefully developed by the International Board of Credentialing and Continuing Education Standards, the guides are designed to give to allow caregivers and guests with cognitive disabilities more or to more comfortably navigate on the on excuse me the on resort experience based on specific sensory sensory sensitivities. This headline was made to mess me up. An article from Travel Weekly says that TripAdvisor received 1.3 million fake reviews last year. Another one from them says that the scenic eclipse too is headed to Lisbon for its maiden voyage. A headline from Travel Pulse reads, TSA warns travelers with marijuana at American airports ahead of 420. TSA officials released revealed that when a security officer discovers marijuana on a traveler or in their luggage, the agency is not actively looking for cannabis or illegal drugs. They refer the matter to local law enforcement, regardless of each state's stance. They also report that JetBlue will begin flying to Amsterdam, one of the most popular and exciting trips to Europe, starting late this summer. According to Travel Agent Central, Celebrity Cruises' next Edge class ship will use a tri-fueled engine. As we innovate our ship design and offerings, we're also focused on equally involving the fuel and technology landscape that powers them, said Jason Liberty, President and CEO, Royal Caribbean Group. By incorporating tri-fueled engines, we are ensuring that as an alternative low-carb or as alternative low-carbon-based solutions become more viable, our ships will be ready to adapt and drive the industry forward to a more sustainable and net-zero emissions future. Another one from them says that Pleasant Holidays has relaunched their website for its international air consolidation brand, Air by Pleasant. The refreshed website sports a more efficient booking engine, fresh new look, and a user-friendly design. Travel advisors on the site will be able to book international flights in all classes of service on more than 80 airlines offering flights worldwide, inclusive of commissionable fares. And our high note today is from afar. This is for Teresa. At London City Airport, passengers no longer need to remove laptops or liquids from their carry-ons and can bring up to two liters of liquid, about a half gallon. All UK airports will do the same by 2024. And that's it for excess baggage. If only I can be confident that a half gallon of liquid would be enough for all my liquids. <laughs> Just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. 
Please remember that we didn't write the news, we're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello? Please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at thetinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye.